Hi friends, and welcome back to Cracked with Siobhan Aris. Before we dive in, I need to thank our wonderful sponsors. First is a company called Kids Art Box. This one is for any of my listeners who have a child in your life, whether it be your own or not. It's creative art projects delivered monthly. I just finished filming a video where I reviewed a box that came for my daughter, who is eight, based on work by the artist Virginia Starrett. It was really fun. There's different levels of subscription to fit your kids' needs, and the quality of the art supplies they sent in the box was outstanding. Check out their website for more information. It's kidsartbox.com. And I have a discount code for Cracked listeners that will give you $5 off. The code is GLASSWORKS5. Such a cool small business, and I hope you join me in supporting them. Thanks are also in order for Yakagini Glass. Yakagini is a small manufacturing company that specializes in the production of stained glass sheets and glass products for the stained glass industry. Yakagini Glass is well known for its uncompromising quality and color artistry designed to recreate the magnificence of nature's palette. Home of Y96 and True Dicro, Yakagini has also proudly acquired Euroboros and is reintroducing it as Euro by Yak. Find out more at yakaganiglass.com. And you all know I love Canfield Technologies, the makers of the best flower as far as I'm concerned. SolderMate 11 is my top choice. It's a water-based, highly active liquid flux formulated to provide rapid cleaning, quick action, and excellent wetting of solder with a minimum of residue. Find out more at CanfieldMetals.com. And finally, Wismac Glass. The Paul Wismac Glass Company has been making gorgeous quality sheet glass for artists and designers for over a century. Learn more about Wismac Art in Kiln Glass by visiting their website at WismacGlass.com and also by following them on Instagram at Wismac underscore glass. That's W-I-S-S-M-A-C-H underscore glass. Today on Cracked, I'm joined by Ellen Van Dyke. She's a stained glass artist based in the Netherlands. Best known for her photorealistic portraits, drawing and painting portraits since childhood, her love of drawing and the desire for creative expression has been present for as long as she can remember. The combination of portraiture and learning to make stained glass windows has brought her to where she is today. We'll be discussing her personal experience with heartfelt portrait commissions, travel adventures of teaching, her in-person classes, as well as her online classes, and Ellen is going to share with us some really great glass painting glass hacks. Let's get into it. Join me as I crack it all wide open. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I was telling my husband before we started, a lot of the articles that I read about you that I was trying to do research and and look around, they're all written in Dutch. Mm. And we were like laughing about how like <laughs> with Dutch, the cadence is similar to to English a little bit, yeah. but it's like, it's one of the most difficult languages to pronounce for us. Mm-hmm. Have you tried it? N- no. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. Everybody that I've spoken to that lives in the Netherlands though, speaks perfect English. Mm-hmm. I think it's because Dutch as a language is pretty much useless outside of the Netherlands. So, I mean, you kind of have to speak English because like literally only Belgium speaks English, uh, Dutch, but that's it. So you kind of have yeah. to. Why do you think nobody else uses the language? Is it because it is a little bit? More I don't know. Difficult? I think it's just such a small country. Um, but I don't I don't know, actually. I'm not sure. Because um, if you go to France or Germany or Italy, those countries are much bigger. And they usually don't speak English like that very well. 
Um, but I think it also has to do with um, the fact that we um, dub our, we don't dub our television shows or movies here in the Netherlands. So everything is all in English with subtitles. And if you go to other countries, it's um, it's dubbed in a native language. Got it. I think. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a logical logical guess, definitely. Um, and it, uh, it makes my job easier for sure. There's <laughs> not, yeah. not as much of a, of a language barrier. You were, um, I you... think you were going to do an interview with someone from Korea, right? That didn't speak English or? Correct. Did, yeah. Did you already do but that? I, I did it already and I hired mm-hmm. a translator. All right. So that, that worked out good then or? Yeah, I think so. I think where it gets a little bit difficult is um, more of like the beh- like behind the scenes part of it. Like with editing, it gets a little bit difficult because mm-hmm. you have to figure out a way to ask your qu- like when you're editing, ask like have your voice asking the question, and mm-hmm. then have them answering it a short snippet of them answering it, and then you have to drop mm-hmm. the volume on them, and then you have to raise the volume on the translator, and you have to overlap the audio a little bit, right. and you have to go through the interview and do that for like everything that's said. It must be a lot of work. It's a, it is, and then also while you're doing the interview, it's a little bit more difficult because it the the pace is of speaking is. Um, you have to be very careful not to speak over each other. And so mm-hmm. um, there's like these like strange, they feel a little strange, the pauses in between. It's not like as mm-hmm. natural. And then also I ask my question. It's just not as conversational because I ask my question and then we're just staring at each other for like a good whole minute <laughs> before they, they're like, they and then they can answer, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, the whole time I'm wondering if the translator is like getting the question right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because she's not a stained glass artist. And mm-hmm. there was a couple of times where she was great, but, and she's a professional, like she, I don't know her. She's like from a company that does that. But there was a couple times, actually quite a few times where Jin Young and his wife, Bia, were the ones who were the artists. And they would speak for like a very long time to her mm-hmm. with their answer. And then she would be listening. Obviously it's in her native language. So she would really be understanding what they were saying. And then when Mm -hmm. she would um, give me my answer, it would be very short. Right. (laughs) So I was like, well, what else did they say? Like, really? That's all they said? Yeah. That must be frustrating. It was okay. It's just like, it's just different. It's not, it's okay. It's okay though. I don't want to say it's But so far that, that has been the only time where you had to have a translator or because you yeah. did interview like other non-native English speakers, right? But that I was had, all, yeah. Yeah, yeah but right. their English was all, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, I do have a guest that I have asked to come on that is French. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she speaks English. Who is that? Her name's Gertrude. Oh, I think I might know her. Like from Instagram, I think. the the um, with the you know the the line painting kind of like she paints women right yes yeah okay yeah i know which one yeah she's really cool her stuff is really cool but whenever mm-hmm. she answers me in text mm-hmm. um she always answers me in french and then i'll have to like mm-hmm. t- like google translate. translate like what she says yeah and so mm-hmm. that's leading me to believe that maybe she doesn't speak english um, I did send her a release to sign, as you know, that's always like the very first thing that I'll send you. Mm-hmm. 
and I haven't received it back from her. Mm. So I don't know if it's just like she doesn't have time or like the idea of doing it in English is just overwhelming or, you know. It must be scary for her too. Yeah. I mean, I always, I'm nervous. I'm going to say like the most ignorant thing or, you know what I mean? Like I'm nervous (laughs) as a stained glass artist that I'm going to sound silly. So I can't even imagine taking it on in a secondary language that you don't feel like super comfortable speaking. Mm -hmm. Thank you to everybody who has trusted me to come on. (laughs) You included, although your English is top notch. It's not perfect, but I try, but I'm also nervous by the way. So it's good to know. It's kind of like comforting to know that you're also (laughs) nervous. Yeah. I always get a little nervous beforehand too. Mm -hmm. Um, You just don't know, you know, it's like, I can look at somebody's art, but I have no idea who the person is behind it. So there's no, there's nothing to Mm -hmm. go on to see if they're going to be a fun chat or not. But so far I've been very lucky. I haven't really had anybody come on the podcast. That's like, Mm -hmm made me question the job altogether. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you are, are you in Tilburg? Um, no, actually I used to work there, but I live in a small town close to Breda, which is, no one's going to know that, but um, it's a small town uh, um, close to the border of Belgium. But I used to work in Tilburg. Okay. Um, I've only been to the Netherlands once. I like most Americans just went to Amsterdam a long time ago. Really? Yeah. What do you think about it? I thought it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It it's really beautiful. The only downside is that there are so many tourists, like all year round, and coffee shops. It's just filled with coffee shops. It's not yeah. really authentic anymore. Yeah, I can see that. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, when you're there too, you're like, this is like the Disneyland of the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> is life similar cool. where you live in terms of, is it a lot of canals and a lot of bicycle riding? Not really. Well, bicycle lanes, yeah. But I think that's just um, throughout all of the Netherlands. Um, I I don't have a car. I cycle to work every day to my studio. Um, so yeah, bicycle lanes are a thing everywhere canals uh, mostly in cities so not really in the uh, like the small towns okay now are there a lot of tulips around you no not, not at all actually <laughs> i don't know I've, I've never even been to the the tulip fields in the netherlands I, I don't know why it's such a thing but yeah yeah do you know that originally tulips are from turkey and there are it's not even dutch no, I, <laughs> I didn't know that. You're actually pretty close to Germany, where you are as well, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you live in the Netherlands, everything is going to be pretty close by because it's like it takes you two hours to drive to the border, and then you're in Belgium, France, or Luxembourg, or Germany. So, um, but yeah, pretty. I think maybe I don't know, maybe two, like one. No, two-hour drive, I'd say. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. pretty close by. Have you been there? I have, yeah. Actually, this summer, I'm going to Dusseldorf and Bonn. Oh. Mm-hmm. So those are really, you know, on the west side. Mm-hmm. So those are pretty close to where you are. I imagine it's probably like a two-and-a-half-hour drive to Dusseldorf. I don't know, actually. I have to check. Um, but what are you going to do in Dusseldorf? 
just for holiday or? Yeah, I'm just going to, well, my husband is going there for work. And so um, my daughter and I are just going to be kind of bopping around and exploring while he's working. Mm. Yeah. But that's nice. Yeah. Cool. If you have any suggestions while we're there, I don't know if you spent much time over on that side. I don't really know that much about Germany, to be honest. Just beer and um, no. Yeah. Just beer, I think. (laughs) It's like the equivalent of like tulips. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So where are you from originally? Um, from from Breda. Uh so there's like the city in the like south of the Netherlands, close to the Bel- uh, Belgian border. I've mm-hmm. lived there all my life. So yeah. And so do you have siblings? I do. I have one older brother he's one year older than me um uh he still lives with, with my parents um and um he works in it so totally different totally different what about your parents yeah. are they um artists or creative not artists? really but it, it does kind of run in the family um my parents they were never encouraged to um you know make a living out of art so they never really pursued it um but my mom is really into photography and painting and drawing as well and my dad is also pretty creative so it's de- definitely in there but it, it's just something they never really persuaded i don't know pursued yeah so when you were have you always been interested in being an artist even from a very young age yeah yeah definitely um i've always been painting and drawing like from the moment i could hold a pen i was always drawing all the time so it was really kind of like an obsession almost um so it was it it was always a given that I was going to do something artistic uh and my parents always really encouraged me to to do that while at the same time they were also kind of nervous about it because they know it's hard to make a living out of being an artist so um but yeah they're happy to um to see what I'm doing so Mm -hmm. did you have any stained glass in the house growing up not at all. I I, uh, I never really thought about it. It's not like the first thing that comes to mind when you think about what you want to, you know, do when you grow up. So, uh, um, no, I just never considered it. I always thought it was beautiful, but um, yeah, it never really came to mind. And then I um, went to college to study painting, like restoration painting. Um, and I kind of um, discovered that that wasn't really it for me. And it was uh, at the time mandatory to do one semester of stained glass at that school so I did that and I just kind of fell in love with it and knew that this was what I wanted to be doing so yeah I think I read somewhere that when you were in college you were 17 or you were while you were in college and you were 17 that's I mean at least here in the states like that's pretty young to be at college yeah I mean I guess the educational system in the Netherlands is different um I went to like college I mean I mean, I'm calling it college, but I, there's probably a different word for it uh, uh, when I was 15. So I had to decide when I was 15 what I wanted to be studying for the next four years. So that's why I decided on painting. So when I graduated, I was 19. So it's pretty young to, uh, to you know, really know what you want to be doing for the rest of your life. <laughs> So the way that the education system works there, like that's, that's normal. Like when you're 15 to have to decide then what's, what's it kind of, 
It kind of depends on your the kind of high school that you go to. It depends on um, your level. Like high school is divided into different levels. Um, so yeah, sometimes you graduate high school at 15, but you can also graduate at 18 or maybe even 19. So it really depends. Cool. Okay. So in 2022, you had a post. It said, I started off 2022 by saying goodbye to my parents' shed where I used to work from and moved into my first real studio. The increase in studio space has allowed me to start teaching painting classes, which led me to meet so many wonderfully creative and passionate people from all over the world. I was even lucky enough to cross the Atlantic Ocean to teach a class in Brazil, an incredible experience for which I am still very grateful. How did that come about? Um, well, um, I knew I wanted to be doing, I wanted to start creating my own work, but I didn't have space to do so because um, I was living in an apartment at the time. Um, um, so and my parents, they they live on an old farm. So they have like, they had like a bunch of space for me to use. So that's why I decided to, to go there, which was a really cool to start with because you know it's free space and it's at your parents place so it's 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 nice but um after a while I really wanted to to have more of my own you know space my own studio so that's when I um started renting a, a studio at the like an old swimming pool close by um and, and I felt more comfortable to um start doing teaching classes um because i've been getting questions a lot um of people wanting me to teach and i never really considered it because i was you know working for my parents garage so it didn't really feel like a nice place to uh, to do that so uh, as soon as i got the the studio i um thought you know why not maybe i should give it a chance um so yeah that's what i did and uh, it was never really my ambition to to start teaching but i'm glad i did it anyway In 2023, you wrote, I'm starting off 2023 by opening a new chapter. Oh, wait, hold on. Before I say that, I wanted to um, ask you more about the Brazil teaching. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell me more about when you got to teach in Brazil. How did that opportunity come along? Well, I got a message from them on Instagram. and They asked me if um, I would be open to teach their, uh, their employees in the Netherlands um so we were trying to like figure out a way how to do that and then I was like wait maybe I should just ask them or uh tell them that I could maybe come over to Brazil as well because that would be really cool uh so I did that and they were like yeah sure um so I was super excited about that um so I went there I was really really nervous it was for me first time being in South America uh, but it was I was so excited about it um and they were great. It was uh, it's this company um, uh, like passed down from like family, um, and um, yeah, it was it was really cool to see how they get to do um, these kinds of things in Brazil because it's really it's so different from how we do it in Europe, or probably even different from how we do it in the states. Um, but they were so friendly and warm and welcoming and. As soon as I like stepped into the studio, all my nerves were gone. And what kind of a company was it? It was um, 
uh, stained glass company, and they mostly did uh, new windows, like entirely new windows for new newly built um, churches. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. So really big projects. Did they have you staying on premises? Uh, no, just in their studio. What What do you mean? Like, where did you sleep? Oh, right. No, they they got me a hotel. So yeah, that was really nice. Yeah. Very cool. And how long were you there from? For how long were you there for? Um, I think I was at, at their company for like a week, um, and then I stayed the weekend in the in the city there, and then I kind of like did a a week of Rio, a little holiday <laughs> while I was in Brazil. Anyway, so yeah, I was in Brazil for two weeks, but I was at the company for only one week. Cool. I love that. And then let's see here in 2023, you posted, I'm starting off 2023 by opening a new chapter. I recently resigned from my part-time job to pursue my stained glass work full-time. An exciting step and frankly, a quite scary one too. And while I'm a bit sad to see 2022 go, I can't wait to see what 2023 has in store. Is that the year you also got married? I know I got married last year. Okay. Scratch that. I even said it. We're not there yet. <laughs> um, so in 2023, what was the part-time job that you quit to? Well, I, I worked at a stained glass okay. studio, uh, restoration studio. Well, mostly restoration. Um, um, it was a studio in Tilburg. Um, and um, I worked there for about four or five years, I think. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's see here. So then in 2023, or sorry, 2020. Yeah. So then obviously it was 2023. <laughs> then you must have got, then you got married afterwards. No, no, no. I got married in 2022, last summer. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. I'm following. And you went <laughs> on a trip with with that too. Didn't you go to like. Yeah. Like we went to South America. Islands? Oh, you did? We okay. went to um, Colombia and Ecuador and the Galapagos Islands. So yeah, it was it was great. Seven weeks. Seven weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, quite. It's, it's the longest I've been on a holiday, to be honest. So I was while it was fun. I was also kind of excited to get back to work. Yeah. After that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your work consists of obviously stained glass, doing um, commissions and doing personal work, and then you also mm -hmm. you you have taken the teaching thing and kind mm -hmm. of gone with it. Um, I mm -hmm. want to go over some of your uh, courses that you offer. The first mm -hmm. being a two-day course. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a stained glass and glass painting for beginners course. This workshop is perfect for those who are interested in learning the complete basics of stained glass. Not only will we teach you how to create your own stained glass windows from start to finish, but you will also learn how to paint on glass. The first workshop day is in Oosterhout. <laughs> oh, <still have. laughs> oh, there it is. Where you will be taught the basics of glass painting. See, this is why I don't try. This is why I don't try. <laughs> it's tricky. On, it is tricky. On Sunday, we will continue the workshop in a cozy barn of D. <laughs> you have to fill it in. D. Schurvonst. <laughs> the Schurvonst. There it is. In Lage. 
Okay. Here <laughs> we'll teach you how to cut glass, how to lead the glass pieces, and finally how to solder. We have a number of ready-made designs from which you can choose. It's also possible to incorporate your painted glass work from the day before. So are you seeing like beginner beginners in this class or are you yeah. seeing people? Yeah. Yeah, like to complete beginners, people who have no prior experience with stained glass. Yeah. And is the reason that you switch locations because one day you're painting and that's where all the kilns are and then you move on mm -hmm. to letting in a different space? It's just because I have more room in that different space. Um, it's um, it's actually um, the, the barn is uh, my mother-in-law's. So, and yeah, so it's, it's really, it's just a fun space. Um, yeah, and it it has more room than my studio because my studio is quite small, actually. And I can really, really only host like three people max for the painting part. And I really don't have, my table is not big enough to, um, yeah, for, for four people to work mm -hmm. on or three people. So, yeah. Okay. And how many people, is there a, a limit of how many people could take this, the two-day course? Uh, I would say three Three people. Yeah. Three people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and how much are you charging per guest? Um, it's I think it was at 215 euros. I'm not sure what that is in dollars. I'm not sure about the conversion rate. I have to plug it into my thinking computer in order to tell you exactly. <laughs> and let's see. So then you have a three-day course as well. This mm -hmm. multi-day workshop focuses completely on portrait painting. Basic knowledge and glass painting skills are re required. So is just taking the two-day course enough mm -hmm. education to go on to the three-day course? Or is this for like a much I mean, you could. Course? You could, but it would be, I mean, it will be a lot of information. I mean, it, it really just depends on a person as well. Some people, they kind of just absorb all the information and they, they just roll with it, you know, but other people, it's, it's, it's hard to, to tell. Um, some for, I would say for some people, it would be too much, too much information at once. Um, but you never really know. Right. It's really hard to say. During this workshop, you will learn how to paint multiple layers before firing it, firing it in the kiln, how to work with various painting mediums, the usage of different colors, and how to correctly apply shadow and depth. We will work on three portraits in various styles. There will also be room to work from your own photo or design. So are you seeing more stained glass artists that want to uh, sort of deepen their knowledge of painting, or are you seeing more uh, people who are already painting wanting like just as painters on like canvas that want to mm -hmm. transition the work onto glass um mostly um that first first group of people who are already into um, glass painting and um they just want to you know deepen their knowledge or you know get more insights so yeah that kind of stuff yeah because when i was looking at you have a highlight um on your instagram Mm -hmm. your stories and the, the painting the people are doing in that class is like incredible like they definitely <laughs> don't look like they were like this do this little you know mother and daughter craft today and <laughs> I mean it's quite intense something. the course 
I did one last weekend and um, while the students are like happy at the end of course um, with all the stuff that they've done and like everything that they've learned they're also really tired <laughs> yeah so it's it's yeah. it's pretty long days with lots of learning and you know so it is intensive intense I don't know intense. yeah how many hours a day do you have your students um well on sa- on Friday and Saturday we start at nine and then we usually finish around like somewhere between four and six p.m um, and then we have like a lunch break between like 12 and one or whatever. And then on Sunday, um, we usually finish a little bit earlier, like maybe at around three. So, okay. yeah, there's quite a lot of hours. Is it the same amount of people as in the other class at maximum of three? Yeah, maximum of three. Because my, my light table is, just isn't big enough to accommodate more people, unfortunately. Yeah. Do you see yourself having a larger space at some point? I mean, would you like to t- teach more people? Could you take on more people at the same time in terms of just bandwidth of attention? I think I could. Yeah. Um, I'm actually looking for a bigger space right now because I recently moved. So um, I used to I used to live in like in Breda, and um, from there it was only like a thirty minute uh, bicycle ride to my studio. And now I moved to a small town, and it's like an hour. <laughs> So like two hours a day of, you know, cycling, so, which is quite a lot. So I'm looking for a bigger space um, and hoping I can accommodate more students. And also I'm going to the, um, the AGG conference um, next week. And I'm going to be teaching, I think, a group of eight people at once there. So, yeah. Cool. Very cool. Did Flora Jameson take your class? Yeah, she did. <laughs> she did. Yeah. 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 She, uh, let's see here. I saw her in the stories that I was just mm-hmm. mentioning on your Instagram. But then also um, when I just put a shout out on Instagram to see if anybody had any questions for you, she wrote, no questions, just that she's awesome. So, Oh, that's so sweet. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been following her for like a long time. When I first started out with stained glass, she was like one of the first um, accounts on Instagram that I discovered. And I've been a huge fan ever since. And then um, I saw that she was interested in signing up for my class. And I was like, oh my God, what what am I going to teach her? You know, because she's already so good. So I was really, really nervous about her, you know, coming over. But it ended up being great. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure maybe you guys just had like a wonderful conversation. Like it was just like a reciprocal uh, situation yeah. while she was there. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's definitely always the case. I mean, it's, I always learn so much from my students as well, because there's not just like one correct way of doing things. It's um, it's it's yeah, it's really cool that you kind of pick up like habits from other um, students. So. Yeah, it's just studio visits in general. Like even if it's not yeah. for a class, like if it's you really valuable. See something. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I think that like when I very first started teaching classes, I had gone to the stained glass supply store up there to, you know, buy like many soldering irons, like not just like the normal, you know. And I was talking to the ladies who worked there who also had classes in the back of the space. And mm-hmm. and I at the time I was like, this is like such random 
advice to give somebody, but she was like, my one uh, piece of advice for you to be teaching is never be intimidated or nervous if somebody comes to your class that also is a teacher or a stained glass artist in general. She's like, Mm -hmm. because even they'll always like learn something or they'll always learn how to do something differently or more efficiently. And but it was- No, it's really great advice actually. Yeah, it's really great advice. And she's like, just never, ever be intimidated because- if they're yeah. there, they're, they're going to pick up at least one thing. And I was like, yeah, it's true. So you recently did a Kickstarter right, for yeah. online classes. And mm-hmm. I was poking around this morning to see how you were doing. And you totally met your goal. And you went <laughs> over a little bit. Congratulations. I know. Yeah, I'm so excited about it. Um, I've been wanting to do that for, for a long while now. Because um, uh, I do get like a lot of international people coming to my class but it's not um it's not for everyone like it's it I mean it's, it's expensive to travel to the Netherlands so um I've been getting a lot of questions about doing a video class um and at first I was a little bit hesitant about it because you can't really like offer any like personal guidance or it, it's just like doing it online comes with its challenges and I was I just felt hesitant about that um but uh, I feel like I, I kind of worked something out right now. And yeah, so I want to, yeah, I'm excited to to start, to get started with it. Did you hire uh, like a production company to film it for you? Or are you yeah. filming it yourself? Yeah, no, definitely. I like it would never happen if I had to do it all myself. <laughs> I'm not really that, that great with computers or, you know, that kind of equipment in general. So I really had to hire someone. And that's why I started the Kickstarter. Um, because it's just, you know, it, it can be quite expensive. So I just wanted to do a Kickstarter just to be sure. And it also kind of like as a way to measure interest. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as doing a Kickstarter for a project, did you find it pretty intuitive and easy to go through using Kickstarter? Crowdsourcing? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it. It's. I think it's a great platform, but it was for me my first time um, using Kickstarter, so I felt kind of intimidated by all the information that I had to write down, because um, I'm not really that much of a planner myself. I just, you know, go by the day and not really. I don't really like, like to think about stuff, <laughs> and I had to, you know, write everything down for the Kickstarter and you know all the pros and cons and like the the schedules and the rewards and everything. So it was. Um, yeah, I felt quite intimidated by that. But glad I did it anyway. Yeah. And did you only post about it just on your Instagram or did you have any other sort of platforms that you used to push it? I I uh, used Facebook as well. And I think I posted it on Reddit as well, but like three people commented on it. So <laughs> that wasn't very successful. <laughs> Does Kickstarter take uh what's the how do they get paid? What's their percentage? You know, I'm not even sure actually. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there there must be something. I just yeah, I don't I don't really know. That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm just curious because I, you know, as you probably know already, a lot of um a lot of people listening to this podcast are small business owners. So I always like to mm-hmm. ask like the questions like that because Kickstarter mm-hmm. is like a very, you know, that like GoFundMe, I think are probably mm-hmm. like the two biggest crowdsourcing websites. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just curious how 
how it was using Kickstarter for you. It, I mean, obviously mm. it worked. You got your, you got, you made your goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point people can still like back out of the project um, because I was, um, um, I sent out an, a message to all of my backers uh, a couple of days ago, thanking them for, you know, reaching my, my, uh, my goal and um, saying that I was going to send out rewards uh, this month. And then I reply, I got a message back from, from one of my backers. And he said, like, listen, you're, even though you, you already reached your goal, um, your project is still live for like 30 more days. And until your project is still like the moment your project is still live, people can still back out. So, I mean, it's tricky. Like I didn't know that. So it it was something to, to keep in mind. Definitely. Um, yeah. So you really don't want to like send anything or offer anything or say anything. That, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to send everything now. Cause I reached my goal, you know, but that's not how it works apparently. So, I mean, if the project has to, to uh, end first, which is in 30 days, I, I don't, I don't think you can change that. And until then, or before then people can still cancel. Got it. Okay. So I don't want to, you know, jinx it or <laughs> be happy too soon, you know? Right. What was the incentives that you offered for people donating? Is there tiers or is it just like, give me this much and you get this much? And that's the only offering. I I think I had um, like a greeting card with uh, my work on it for like 15 uh, euros or dollars and, and 35 euros. You'll, you'll get an art print um, from one of my works. And then for $45, you get the, um, the video course for a discounted price once it once it's live. So I, I'm planning to put it on the market for sixty dollars. Um, so if you pledge now with forty five dollars, you get it for that price. That was kind of the idea. Otherwise, the course will only cost sixty dollars, and that's for the entire course. Yeah, I mean it's probably going to be like not that long video because it's. Um, I don't know. I feel kind of. I don't want to. I always hate charging things, you know, charging for things. It's um, it's not one of my strongest points. Um, I, d- I just don't want to overcharge because I feel like I'm um, like I can't like there's all these cons involved with the video class because you can't really offer like personal guidance. So you can't really, you know, take the brush out of your student's hand and like do it for them or like show them how to do it. You know, it, it's not as um I don't know, like in depth as you would, as it would be for a live class. So I really don't want to charge the same amount for it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, The description of it says, unlock your full potential as a glass artist with this comprehensive video class on portrait painting on glass. This course is designed for glass artists who are looking to take their skills to the next level and want to learn the intricacies of painting portraits on glass. Led by Ellen Van Dyke, this online class is designed to be accessible to students of all levels, whether you're just getting started or when you're an experienced artist looking to expand your skills. The course is structured into easy-to-follow video lessons with step-by-step instruction that cover everything from the basics of glass painting to advanced portrait techniques. Is it, so it's more than one video? Or it will uh, be? I mean, it's gonna, it, I, I might do more of them. 
but I think for now it's going to be like one, one video. Yeah. Okay. And you just have like a, a list of uh, tools that they need to come in, you know, this, yeah. this much, this kind of glass. And obviously they it's have gonna to have come a with can. a, yeah, exactly. It's going to come with a list with um, like particular paints or um, tools, brushes, you know? So, yeah. So people can, you know, prepare those first. I think that's, uh, that's necessary. Yes, absolutely. And what form will this video be transferred to the student? Is it going to be sort of like, um, like a code so that they can watch it on YouTube or is it going to be like a downloadable video? So then they'll just have it on their own, you know, I'm still, I'm still working that out with, um, the guys who are going to do the filming and editing for me. Cause I'm like such a noob when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, and, um, all I want is to, you know, have a platform uh, where you can watch the video without it, um, without it re- being really easy to, you know, just download it or, um, you know, um, and I don't really know how, how yet. I think they had some ideas, so I'm, I'm just going to listen to them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just totally. going to do whatever they say. <laughs> yeah. And so you haven't, you have not filmed it yet. When do you plan on filming it? No. Um, I'm actually working out a date with them right now. Um, but it's tricky cause I'm gonna, I'm leaving for uh, the States on Sunday and I'm going to be there for two weeks and they also have packed schedules. So we're trying to figure out a date right now, but uh, probably, probably July, I think. Okay. Yeah. What are you doing over here? I'm going to go to the, um, uh, American Glasgow conference in Richmond. Oh, Right. You did. You said that you took class. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And they're not going to film it there though. They're going to film it for you when you come back home. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's so exciting. All of it. Yeah, it is. It's going to be my first time in the States actually. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. And it's in Virginia. Is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, Virginia, Richmond. Yeah. Richmond, yeah. Virginia. Okay. I have no idea. I have. I still have to check because I have a couple of days off in Richmond, and I have to check what what I, what's to do over there. Not really sure. I've never been to Virginia. I, I wish. I mean, no, no, I've never been there. But um, you know, I was just gonna say, well, if any of our listeners have any ideas for her, but probably <laughs> by the time this episode airs, the exactly. trip will. Have- come and gone but mm-hmm. i'm sure you'll I'll just have to google great. it myself <laughs> yeah it's such a beautiful part of the country honestly yeah i saw your story also where you were using a porcupine quill right yeah i felt like it was kind of like a, a glass hack and so i wanted you to maybe mm-hmm. elaborate for us how you were using it um i mean it's not i don't want to take credit for it because it's not my hack um but i got it through um Christina, Al- I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Alfner, I think. She's from Sweden and she's on Instagram under the name Station Stations Chris. And she she also does glass, uh, stained glass. Um, and she came to my studio a couple of months ago and she brought me this porcupine quill as a gift to, you know, to use for like the scratching, scratching of the paint. Uh, and I thought it was so cool. And it's really, really useful too, because it, it kind of like has two like tips and one is really really fine and the other one is like more blunt and it's like flexible it's really really great yeah so i i ordered like 50 of them (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i can't imagine that they're that expensive 
No, they're not expensive. No. And I think someone told me that um, Derek Hunt, he used to go to the zoo to collect them, to ask for them. I think, but that's what I heard. I'm not really sure if that's true, but that's also really cool. It's like folklore. Like yeah. I heard a story once about the great Derek Hunt <laughs> and how he, he would go to the zoo. We'll have to ask him. We'll have to ask him to confirm, yeah. Do you have any other glass hacks that you can think of that you'd like to share? Uh, um, uh, yeah. Um, but one, like one is like really specific. Um, and so the one thing that I do is uh, portrait painting on glass. Um, and I have one hack for skin tones um, that instead of using just the, like all the beige and pink colors or the brown colors, um, use some blue as well. Because it's it's really it's really great if you just use a tiny bit of it, it creates this kind of like cooler tone um, for the skin tone, and it's really it's so natural looking. It it feels weird to add blue, but it really makes a lot of sense. Um, so that um, and there's another one, but I can't really take credit for it because again, it's my one of my students' hacks, um, and she uses um, I don't know what it's called, but it's kind of like um, photographers use it to clean up dust from their um, film rolls, like analog photos. So you can use it when you're wearing wearing a mouth mask or like a face mask when when you're painting. You can use this to like kind of like blow away the dust from the the paint. So I thought it was really really convenient trick. So yeah, that's super cool. Um, maybe we can include a link to that in the show notes right. to the, yeah. the Amazon listing. I'm, I'm sure it has a word for it in English as well. Let me let me see if I can find it. It says bellow. Well, the word bellow to me is like an old. It, it is. It is like a tiny bellow. Maybe that is yeah. what it's currently called as well. Like usually when I think of a bellow, I think of the big ones that you use for a fireplace. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I'm it just is like a tiny right version. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the tiny version of that basically. That's amazing. Thank you for that. Okay. There's some pieces, some specific pieces now um, of yours that I wanted to ask you about. Mm -hmm. So the first one is called Sweet Melancholy. Mm -hmm. And you wrote, I honestly don't think I've ever felt more relieved to finish a piece before. This work came with so many challenges, and the further it progressed, the more anxious I got about accidentally breaking something along the way. I've been working on and off on this piece for several months, and I really wanted to have it finished for the exhibition this weekend. In the end, it took me blood, literally, sweat, and tears to finish it on time, but I'm proud that I did make it happen. So uh, for our listeners that can't see the piece, uh, it's a, a girl and she's sort of like laying down on the floor and she has her head up on a pillow. So why was this piece so much more difficult than than other pieces you've made? Um, well, I guess certain shapes of the, the glass. Um, um, it was a challenge because some of them you can really like put them together because of the shape of the glass. So you had to kind of like open up the lead all the way. And kind of like I don't know how to explain it but instead of kind of like shoving it into each other you had to like open up the lead like all the way and then just put in the piece of glass like from above okay and then closing the lead again if that makes sense if you know what yeah. I mean 
Yeah. Um, it had some parts where the glass was really thin. Uh, so I was worried about it breaking. Um, I, uh, for the carpet, I did um, the um, the engraving technique that, that Judith Schachter always does. So it was with, uh, with the Dremel, with the handheld Dremel. Um, and it took a lot of time for me to get the pattern out of the glass entirely. So it was just really a lot of work mostly. And uh, I was working under a deadline because I wanted to have it finished in time for for the exhibition that weekend. And um, uh, I really had to work like overtime to make that happen. And it, I don't think it's it's a good thing when you have to work while you're in a rush because then there's a lot more risk of you know things going wrong. So I was I was just waiting for the moment where something was going to go wrong. But it didn't happen, fortunately. But yeah, good. <laughs> it was. Uh, I was really. I had anxiety. <laughs> yeah, that is tough when you have um, deadlines and yeah, very specific pieces uh-huh. of glass that you're like, let that the the only really huge piece that I've made that commission that I've talked about like too much now at this point. But I had a very limited amount of like one of the kinds of glasses. And like mm-hmm. cutting like that last piece and just being like, if I break this, if this cracks, like yeah, toast. This is so much depends on line. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> too much. Yeah. Too much. I have a list here of different exhibitions and different sort of um uh competitions, I would say, that you have been a part of and mm-hmm. won. Um, and there was, I know that there's probably other ones, but a lot of them, they were written in Dutch and they weren't mm-hmm. like translatable. And so I was just like, <laughs> oh, she's just going to have to tell me. But did that one, that one won, correct? One of the, did it win, win painting of the year or? It was, it was a Dutch portrait prize. Um, it was, a. it was also actually my first exhibition that I, um, uh, participated in. Um, so in the Netherlands, we have this competition i guess that's called the dutch portrait prize and it's um like any artist who creates portraits can enter um and um a lot of people enter usually and my my aunt my aunt who's an artist as well she has entered before and she had one as well and they were kind of like persuading me to enter as well because there had never been a stained glass piece before usually it's it's mostly traditional artists um like sculptors or um, like oil painters or, you know, that kind of. Um, so I, I at first I was kind of hesitant because I thought that um, maybe it would be too different to enter with the stained glass piece. But I think in the end it was my advantage because um, I was the only one who entered with the stained glass piece. So I think that, yes. was, that was what made me stood out. And people were kind of surprised because they didn't really know that you could do you could create like contemporary art with stained glass mm-hmm. for some reason. So um, yeah, I won the young talent category for that one. Very cool. Very cool. I want it. We should point out that you are very young. How old are you now? <laughs> I'm 26. You're 26 <laughs> now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long have you been doing stained glass professionally then? I mean, uh, I went to... Um, I, I went to study stained glass when I was 19 and I think I got a job at um, the studio in Tilburg where I used to work I think I was 21 or 22 
Yeah. Oh gosh. So yes. that's like four, 45 years, four to five years. Yep. You've done a lot. You've done a lot already. <laughs> so I also wrote down painting of the year 2021. Was that your, mm-hmm. the one of your, oh, wait, you also did the, was Sweet Melancholy the one where you won the Dutch Portrait Prize or was that the no. one of your boyfriend? I, yeah, that was the one uh, I won the, the portrait prize with the one with my boyfriend. Um, I didn't enter Sweet Melancholy for anything. Okay, fo- I'm following. Okay, so let's talk about the yeah. boyfriend piece. It says mm-hmm. uh, the, in the article that I read about that one, it says the young Ellen Van Dyke is a passionate stained glass artist who just won the young talent from the Dutch Portrait Prize, a prestigious portrait contest in the Netherlands in which 1,400 artists from different dis- from different disciplines participated. She won with the Grisai. Yeah, like painted glass, painted, painted okay. glass. Okay. Yeah. Portrait she made of her boyfriend. Is that one named or is it just like that's my boyfriend? It's it's called Nick, because that's my husband's name. Yeah. Okay. Now husband. <laughs> yeah, Got he it. wasn't my husband at the time, but he's now. And out of those fourteen hundred artists, are was there any other stained glass artists, or were the were the only one? Yeah, not as far as I know. No, I know there was a pre-selection, um, and I went to. I, I don't know what was all. I went to the um, the I don't know. I guess the selection after the pre-selection, and there wasn't any other other uh, stained glass artists. So I guess I was the only one. Okay, very very cool. So you have the Dutch Portrait Prize of 2021, the Painting of the Year for 2021. I have Exhibition Art uh, Passionnel 2022. Mm-hmm. That was just mm-hmm. an exhibition, but did you get any awards there? No, it was just an exhibition. Yeah. Okay. And then the exhibition Good Looking in 2022. Mm-hmm. That one was because um, the Dutch Portrait Prize is like a, a how do you say, like two yearly like every two years. Mm-hmm. So the next uh, piece that I wanted to ask you about is really touching. I don't see a name for it, um, mm-hmm. but I'll read you uh, the the post that you wrote for it. It's a young boy in the photo, and mm-hmm. it says, I had the tremendous honor of creating this commission stained glass window for the loveliest couple. It's a portrait of our beloved son who was born with multiple disabilities. His life expectancy at birth was no more than two years. He was 19 years old when he sadly and unexpectedly passed away during the making process of this window. Yesterday, I drove all across the Netherlands to deliver the finished work to his parents since I wanted to hand it over to them in person. And I'm glad I did because it was so very moving to see how much joy and comfort my artwork brought them. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what that must have felt like for you to get that phone call in the middle of making this piece to learn that he had passed and then to have to Mm -hmm. hand it over to his parents. It was really, really bizarre, actually, because his parents, they were like the sweetest people ever. They were so kind and so, um, I don't know, involved in everything. Um, They reached out to me after uh, I the, the portrait prize uh you know exhibition um because they'd see my work and they were just so touched by it and they really wanted to have um a portrait of their son in stained glass 
So, um, uh, yeah, so that's what we did. Um, they, they came over. We, we had like a really great talk. Um, uh, I, I started working on it. And then like after, I think after like a couple of months, I got a text saying that he had sadly passed away, uh, which I, I don't know. It was just, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe that. Um, but it was, um, it made me feel a lot of pressure as well. Because it's it's very I don't know how to say it in English, but um uh very loaded, I would say. I don't know if that's the correct term. Um like a I don't know, this is hard. Um but yeah, it had a lot of it suddenly it had a much more emotional value to it than you anticipated it to be. Um so yeah, I really wanted to to deliver it to them in person. I think it was like a three-hour drive from where I live. Um, so it's all the way in the north of the Netherlands. And I was so, so nervous about it because, um, you know, because of the 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 pressure that I felt um, and also because I was I, I was just nervous about seeing them and, you know, seeing their their grief. Uh, um, and, and but they were they were so happy with it. They they cried once they saw it, and then I cried too because I was so moved by their reaction. So yeah, it was um, it was very very touching, very touching moment. Yeah, I imagine. Gosh, I can't imagine. Yeah, it's it's really hard to imagine. Yeah, me neither. I can't imagine what it's like to lose your kid. Yeah, it must be awful yeah and it's just so unnatural for your child to die before you yeah i read somewhere or i heard somewhere they were saying how we have terms for different kinds of loss like you're a widow or you're a widower but there is no term for when you lose a child because Mm -hmm. it's so unnatural and wrong that we have we Mm -hmm. haven't we don't have a name for it Mm. right yeah, I never thought about it like that, but it's that's true, yeah. Yeah. Well, you did a beautiful job. I felt like I mean, I really spent a long time on that piece just sort of staring at it and I felt like you did a really incredible job capturing um his spirit in that photo. I'm going to mm-hmm. cry right now. And I've never <laughs> met this boy before, but there was so much joy <laughs> in his face in in that in that portrait. And um I felt like I I felt like I could sense a piece, obviously just a piece of his personality mm-hmm. just by, just by looking at it. And I think that that's truly what sets your work. Um, such your work stands out so much is because mm-hmm. you, you are able to capture so much of a feeling in the eyes um, in the face, like the perfect, it's so realistic that I feel like you can really, I don't know. It's just like truly like looking at somebody. It's so realistic. Yeah. Well, that's the the best kind of compliment. (laughs) So thank you. You're very welcome. So, and then the last piece that I wrote down that I wanted to ask you about um, is called Golden Hour. And this piece, Mm -hmm. I feel like got a lot of press for you. And I've seen a lot Mm -hmm. around about this photo. was that a commission or was that a personal piece for you? 
It was a personal piece. Uh, it was um, the portrait that I did. It wasn't meant to be like a completed artwork. It was just kind of more of an experiment for me because uh, I really wanted to to paint someone with the uh, dark skin tone because I hadn't really done that before. Uh, so I saw that as a challenge and I just kind of got a photo from Pinterest to, and just started painting without really having any idea or design uh, for it. And then I felt like I had to do something with it. So that's when I created the, um, you know, the pattern in the background. Um, and my dad actually did the frame, like the stand for it. And I was so, I don't know, so happy with the end result. And I posted it on Reddit and I got like crazy amount of upvotes on Reddit. So that, that was really cool. That's yeah. amazing. So you don't know the model? Uh, no, I don't. No. <laughs> But she is a real girl because there was a photo. She's a real person. Yeah. I just, just a photo that I found on Pinterest. Yeah. Because that's, that's how I started out. I just wanted to, to have like good reference photos to work from. So Pinterest was my, is my go-to, you know, like website to find that kind of uh, stuff. What would you say the percentage of your work is uh, commission versus like personal work? Um, right now, if a percentage, I'm, I'm not sure, but I definitely do a lot more commission work. Um, I try to do, I try to work on my own personal um, stuff, but it's really hard because it, it always gets pushed back to the, to the background because there's always something else I need to work on or like paid work or whatever. So I feel like that, um, uh, that should be done first. And then when I have some left over time I can work on my own personal work but in reality that means you never work on your on your own stuff so right. I really have to figure out a way somehow to combine these things you know right and then how much of your time is spent teaching versus making work of your own commission or private personal I try to teach like two weekends every month so that's six days a month. Um, so quite quite a lot of time. Um, and the funny thing is, I was really I was kind of reluctant about going into teaching at first because um, anyone who knows me in real life knows that I'm an introvert. I'm not really. Uh, I just never really saw myself, um, you know, teaching people or like like speaking like in front of groups or whatever. Like just being generally being in a spotlight. Um, but once I, I started doing it mostly because I wanted to figure out a way to make a living out of, you know, my job. So I thought that that would be a good way. And then once I started doing it, I realized I really liked it because you get to meet so many people from all over and you learn from them as well. And you, you kind of, you realize you're in this really cool community of like-minded people. So, I mean, mm -hmm. so far it's been, it's really been great. So I'm glad I started doing it anyway. That's amazing. I read that traditional mouth-blown glass is your favorite to work with. What mm -hmm. brand of glass are you using and where do you buy your glass? I usually buy uh, Lambert's. Like I use Lambert's because um, the quality is just so good. Uh, it's really my favorite. Um, and the, there's also um, this mouth-blown glass from Poland called Yaslo, I think. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it the right way. And it's basically a cheaper version of Lambert's. 
but Lambert's is my absolute favorite and I buy it from uh, a little shop in, um, well, not exactly a little, a shop in the, in the Netherlands for stained glass supplies uh, called Phoenix, Phoenix Glass. Okay. Is it close to you or is, is that a common thing or do you have to drive quite a bit to see one? Um, it's about a 45 minute drive, so it's, it's doable. Um, but I usually just, um, have it delivered to my studio because I don't have a car. So it's just, uh, it's just a hassle having to, you know, lend a car from someone and drive over there. So, yeah. Right. Do you have a mentor, like maybe from school or something or somebody that, who do you call when you have a question? I don't really. I'm not sure. I guess if I have now, if I have a like specific question, I uh, just reach out to people on Instagram, I guess. Um, but I never really had a mentor, I would say. I don't think so. No. You're just going rogue. You just... <laughs> <laughs> and for any of our listeners... Um that might be visiting the mm-hmm. Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Is there a stained glass in the Netherlands that cannot be missed to see? Cannot be what? Oh, cannot be missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would recommend going to Gouda, Gouda. Gouda, it's also from the cheese. I don't know if you know it. Gouda mm-hmm. cheese is really famous, but it's a city in the Netherlands and they're famous for their um, painted glass. So I would really recommend to go there. Uh, what else? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think I think I'm going to leave it at that for now. Okay, yeah. that's good. Okay, I think I'm ready to ask you your final three questions. All right. <laughs> Who is your favorite stained glass artist? Um. Well, I have several. I really like um, Rihanna Willemson work mm-hmm. uh, uh she's from the Netherlands as well do you know her mm-hmm. she does like the um, you know she does a lot of holy monkeys um that kind of stuff but she's a really talented glass painter um and there's this uh girl from paris that i've been following i think she's from paris but i'm not sure now that i say it um she's really really talented um her name is laura laura savry katan i think i'm a I don't think I'm pronouncing it right, but it's really, her work is amazing. Um, she does painted glass, but she also does, um, I think it's called gouache, like on paper. Um, and she, her work is really unique. Um, yeah, it's it's just unlike anything I've ever seen before. So that's really What's cool. Her, is it Laura? Laura. Catan? Um, yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm not following her. Okay, I'm following she's her really, now. She's great. And th- there's this um, guy from Japan. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's like K- K- Takai or something like that. You spell it K-E-I-J. Oh, Instagram. yes, I'm following this guy too. Yes. Yeah. His work is so whimsical. It's It's really wonderful. Yeah, his stuff is really, really good, too. Yeah. And then the next question is, who is your favorite artist outside of glass? 
Um, that's a hard one. Um, I'm not really, really keeping up with um, like um, traditional artists, at least not as much as I would like to. Um, but I really love like the classics such as um, Klimt or um, Van Gogh. Um, and um, I think I, I saved one. Um, there's this, I think he's from the States and he does murals. Uh, let me see. His name is Abel, Abel Macias, Macias. I'm not sure, but he's on Instagram under the name Abel Mac, and his work is so colorful. Oh, cool! Yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. And there, I just remembered. There's also um, this uh, painter from Barcelona. Her name is Alba Fabre, I guess. Um, and she also does really amazing murals. Um, and she's on Instagram under the name A-L-B-F-S. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I love it so much. All right. Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then the final question is, what are your five to ten year goals? I I don't really know, actually. I'm not um, the kind of person who really plans um, that much. I guess I, I would definitely like to continue working the way I do now. Um, so I started this year with being full-time self-employed and I'm only five months in right now, but I, I'm hoping I can you know continue doing that for the next at least five to 10 years. Um, I would like to be able to work on my own stuff a little bit more to, um, I don't know, to to just be able to focus on that a little bit more. And um, one thing I would definitely like to do is travel more. Um, like when I went to Brazil to teach or I'm going to the States right now. So I would love to do more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you want to be, I know earlier I asked you if you had a mentor, but would you mm-hmm. have interest moving forward to be a mentor for somebody else? Like, would you like to take on more people in your studio to be apprentices? Yeah, sure. I mean, like anyone, like if people, people can always reach out to me if they have questions. Uh, I'm always happy to help in any way that I can. So yeah, definitely. Um, Ellen, I had such a great time chatting with you today. And again, your work it's the most realistic glass painting p- portraits I have ever seen before. You really have a way of capturing something, a feeling, an emotion that honestly, I don't think you can learn. I think you just either got it or you don't. And I think that you were just, you, you've you got it. You've got it. Your work is just so incredible. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on Craft today. Oh. Thank you so much for having me. I've, I'm such a fan of your podcast, so it's really it's such a joy for me to to participate. I'm really glad you asked me. I'm glad too. Have a wonderful mm-hmm. and productive day in the studio today, and I'll talk to Thank you later. You. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. To see more of Ellen's work, her Instagram is at Glass Atelier Ellen. That's G-L-A-S-A-T-E-L. I-E-R-E-L-L-E-N and mine is at Runa Glassworks. For the Cracked Patreon page members, Ellen is offering 15% off of her online courses. The code and link to that is always in my bio or the show notes. 
Next week, I'll be talking to Lil Eris of Lekasuka. Her ornate glasswork tells tales using a mix of imagination and childhood experience, intertwining current fact and folklore fiction. It's our final episode for this season of Cracked, and I hope you'll join us for it next week. Till then, bye!